At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER We got a special pod for you today. I think you're going to love this. So Sean Archie Miller, obviously, uh, uh, former tremendous college basketball players, uh, tremendous college basketball coaches, both briefs elite eight, both have coached at uh, schools in Ohio and been crazy successful getting to the elite eight in Xavier and Dayton. Uh, and then they took what would traditionally be called more prestigious, super high major elite jobs, Arizona for 12 years. And Archie Miller was was at Indiana as well, and both lost their jobs uh, last offseason. So they're doing a podcast and uh, not just to promote it, but also to catch up. I thought I'd put them both on together and we're going to talk about a bunch of different topics, some about point guard play, um, some stories. I don't know how many people know about about uh, Sean's uh, how Sean substituted or actually didn't substitute when he was at Arizona, when he was at Xavier. Um, and Archie tells some great stories as well. But like, look, I think one of the things, there's a couple of things. One, we're a coach's kid, right? And their dad was a legendary coach, in Western Pennsylvania. Uh, they're both point guards, different eras, of prestigious programs, Pitt and NC State, but different styles. Even though their brothers are separated by 10 years and one's been an assistant under the other, like the whole thing is, Really, really interesting. So I could sell you on them, but you don't have to. It's Archie Miller. It's Sean Miller. It's all ball. It's right now. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but everybody thinks this mustache is for Movember, right? We're doing partnership with Movember. It's really for Sean. That, that's what it is. <laughs> it's really to set to because, because, you know, I mean, Arch, like uh, he, you know, we have, when we're kids growing up watching stars playing college basketball in the Big East, right? <laughs> my my guy was was Sean Miller, and he yeah. had the mustache, right? So this, is, this is an ODU. How am I doing? That's so funny. You said that. You know, uh, 
my whole reason for wearing that mustache and that was 1987, Doug, uh, was, you know, I was like, man, I look like I'm 14. These guys are trying to kill me as it is. I felt like the mustache would help. What I learned quickly was it wasn't worth the harassment I took from the fans. I mean, the things that they would say to me, I ended up, I think, shaving it around January, you know, and then uh, the rest is history. But I appreciate the respect, Doug. <laughs> um, Arch, like when when you're a kid and you have a brother who's a star, like I had my brother wasn't a star, but he was definitely my idol. Like I, I looked up to him. Um, did you, did you mimic everything he did or were you one of those guys who tried to do the opposite? Well, 10 years age difference is big difference than, you know, three, four, five, you know, it just wasn't like you could duplicate what a guy that was doing was 18, 19, 20 years old when you're eight, nine or 10, you know, it's a lot different, but him being at Pitt at the time I was in grade school, um, my dad with who he was, obviously basketball was such a big component and watching, uh, Sean, um, early on sort of led me to, to wanting to play. I was different than him, um, different guy than him. My dad probably treated me different than him, but definitely that, that stepping stone him playing that level of basketball was a big part of me growing up. So when I was, I, I was my brother, but, but you know, Sean Sherman Douglas, Bobby Hurley was like, that was, that was my guy. Right. I used to do, I don't know if you guys remember, like when he was at the free, when somebody was at the free throw line and he was standing there, he used to put his hands on his hips, but his palms would face like the opposite way. It was kind of a weird stance. And I would copy that. I would, I would, I would do all of that stuff. Right. That was my Sean. Who is your guy? Like who is, who is, who is. Who no, is I had, uh, yeah, no, I had two. Uh, and again, you know, the thing that was crazy, if you look back at that time growing up um, and, and Arch and I, we've talked about it a lot here uh, over the last couple of months. It just, Things obviously evolved. The world's changed. It's a completely different place. Television, the options then were so limited that it was very regionalized, you know, growing up. But uh, I had really two almost in the third one I'd, I'd put in just because I watched them all the time. But Phil Ford was my guy. Carolina, I loved him. The Four Corners was like really prominent in the East. And Dean Smith was uh you know, he was a legend and, you know, the powder blue almost captivated all of us. But I loved Phil Ford. Uh, I loved Kyle Macy, uh, you know, being a guy that shot free throws well and just uh, the way he shot the ball and just, you know, Kentucky. And then my last guy was really like Calvin Ramsey. You remember Calvin Ramsey? I do not. Played Ohio State and uh, played in the NBA. If you look him up. I, I got an Ohio State guy. Do you remember Jay Burson? I yeah, love Jay Burson. Sure. Was he was was he about your age or was a little little older man? I'm trying to think. He hurt his neck. He was, he was a couple years older, but he was he was a stud. Yeah, no doubt. He was a great player. Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. I also, you know, like let's be honest, guys. Like there's the there's the, like the Scott, even the Scott Skiles, right? Like the tough, hard ass white white yeah. dude. And you're like, that's that's the guy. I want to be Arch. What about you? Who's your guy when you were when you were like middle school now and you're forming your game? Like who's, who is the guy that you idolized? You know, the thing that was different about me is the television started to boom, you know, early nineties, mid nineties, the fab five was going, I was in junior high. Um, you wanted to be guys. You couldn't be, you know, you wanted to be guys. You couldn't be, you wanted to be, you wanted to be the fab five. You wanted to be, you know, Duke at the time, there was a lot of great players, but uh, for me, my dad, you know, he always used to focus it, focus in on coach Patino and he used to talk all the time about Billy Donovan. I mean, he's talked about Billy Donovan all the time. And he would have me going up and down the court. No one else in the gym on Sundays going through chairs, shooting off chairs, you know, dribbling the ball all the time. But Coach Patino was a big individual instruction. He probably created that mode of what college basketball is about, about individual instruction. And it was always about, I remember him writing up workouts and it would be, uh, you know, Billy Donovan workout through the chairs. And uh, to me, watching Billy Donovan clips and doing all this stuff. Uh, that was the guy that kind of stemmed how you, how you, how he wanted me to play. Um, okay. So you guys have your own pod now. Okay. So within the pod, is it strictly, you know, analysis of basketball and of what's going on and like pitch me on what the, what the pod is going to be like. Ron, you can go ahead. It's called next play. Right. And uh, you know, I, I think next play you know, it represents a number of things, Doug. And uh, one is, you know, it 
when you're a coach or a player in basketball, we've all been there. You know, you have to play both ends. You have to put what just happened behind you. And many times it's a turnover, right? A, a missed shot. You know, sometimes as a coach, it's from a negative, a blown assignment defensively. And then sometimes, you know, a great play, you know, a big shot, but late in the game, got to get back on defense. So next play represents that. And, I, you know, I think for the two of us, at least from my perspective, next play is, uh, you know, learning from things that have happened, moving on in life. You know, what once was, man, it's different now and uh, being able to uh, look forward. So um, that's the first part of the podcast. And then, you know, I'll, I'll give it to Arch, but all basketball. I, I think what we wanted to do is, is talk hoops in a very positive way, try to highlight uh, some great coaches, teams, and, uh, and really talk about something that we both love, uh, you know, the game of basketball. And, you know, Doug, I know you love it, too. I mean, with your dad and his influence and just the work you had to put in, uh, you know, you, you play it as much because you just grew up loving it, that passion. And, you know, I think you have two people here on this podcast, Arch and I, that, that really grew up the same way. 10 years apart, but you grow to love the game. And I hope the podcast, at least it gives us something to do. You know what I mean? If I'm not doing the podcast, there's just, yeah. there's not really a long list of things each day to do, you know? So, okay. but, but that's, that, that's, that, that, that leads me to, to this. Arch, let me, let me start with you. Um, what was it like? Uh, this is as the time of the recording two nights ago, right? You're watching other people start the season, something you have done for, you know, 25 years, 30 years consecutively. What was that like the other night to watch the tip off of the college basketball season? It's funny. I went over to, uh, I went over to Sean's place the other night and I said, man, it's got to be the first time. And since what, not 1987, you haven't been doing something on opening night. And for me, it would have been 97. And uh, I think the thing that you, uh, you forget about as a, as a coach is, the excitement level, you know, outside of your walls, because opening night for us is anxiety. You're worried about the game. You're worried about shoot around. You start to go through that deal. Like, here we go, man, it's getting started. You have that, that anxious tight feeling before it gets going. But on the outside, we're sitting there on opening night, kind of watching it for the first time in a long time for me, just watching the, the, the crowd being back in, the excitement and, and anticipation of basketball again coming around was good, was good to feel. But it, it is awkward. You know, it's really awkward when you're when you're doing something so long, so hard and all of a sudden it goes, you know, kaput. But I think that's see it for what it is. And at this point in time, doing a podcast with Sean is like basically every day anyway. So we might as well just get fine doing it. <laughs> no, it's, 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 a, it's an amazing kind of gift. You're going to kind of give the basketball world and it'd probably be honestly, probably be cathartic in many ways for you guys. All right. So, so Sean, what, what stage, what stage are you in? Right. There's the stages yeah. of grief and what, what are you, uh, have you reached acceptance? Yeah, no, I'm in, I'm in a good place. I mean, Doug, one thing that's different about me, I mean, I was on the tonight show with Johnny Carson when I was 12. 11 years old. You know, I was dribbling four basketballs uh, when I was 10. You know, I, you know, I fit into the category in a lot of respects as a child prodigy. Uh, you know, my dad, I mean, we, we, we did things as far back as third grade, you know, fourth grade. That's, that's where my mind takes me when, you know, I remember my first team, I think was in fourth grade and you're like, come on, Sean, fourth grade. Like, no, it was like serious. You know, we practiced. Yeah. You looked you were hyped for the uh, game. If if you did well in the town that, that we grew up in, it was Elwood City at the time. You made the Elwood City ledger. That was a newspaper, you know. And uh, but anyway, uh, that if you trace that, that's that goes back for me probably about 44 years since I uh, this is the first year in 44 years. I haven't been a part of a team. I mean, yeah. I practice a game as a player and then obviously as an assistant coach and in the last 17 years as a head coach. But, you know, in terms of, of where I'm at, one thing that I've learned, uh, you know, just in my brief time not coaching is, you know, I, I've been really lucky to coach at Xavier in Arizona. I mean, you've been at both places, Doug, in their own right. The 10,250 people that go to the Cintas Center at Xavier and the 14,500 people that go to McHale Center here in Arizona. You know, if you're the coach at those two places, 
that's a good deal. And, and you know what? I had a great deal for 17 years. So for me, uh, it's, it's trying to really uh, look at a lot of the great moments and the fun. And my time came to an end. But I, I enjoyed the 17 years. Last couple, maybe not as much, but college basketball. To coach at those two places, uh, I have nothing but fondness. Yeah, Arch, that, that's, I was actually thinking about that when I was thinking about talking to you guys, which is, you know, it's like everybody, I'm sure lots of people have tried to say, have the perspective, like, bro, I was there when you were at Dayton and I was, I was along for the ride when you guys made a run from the first four. Like I was literally there yep. and I saw how special that was. And then you're the head coach in Indiana. Like these are things yeah. no one can ever take from you on the other hand they did take it from you right so it's it's a hard like how do you how do you months later have the perspective of hey i I mean i I don't know what the rest holds but to this point uh, it's a a buddy of mine always said this about like marriage and you come to a you come to your anniversary like i don't know what the over under is but you hit the over right right right? so i don't know what the over under is for you guys, even for me, like, you know, I was a good college basketball player, whatever I could pass, but I've been able to do TV and radio for 20 years. And so I have to have the perspective of like, I, I made it, even if it didn't last, are you able to have that? I, Cause we're all driven and especially you guys driven to the next thing, the next play, the next team, but are you able to have the perspective at this point? You know, I think for me, I'm, I'm, I'm still, um, you know, I'm still, you know, a little bit younger. You know, I became the head coach at the University of Dayton at 32, and I became the head coach at Indiana at 38. And, uh, you know, I'm only 43 years. I just turned 43 years old. I have 10 years under my belt, and I look back on it, and I say to myself, like, damn, I mean, that's pretty amazing that at that point in time that you could get going. A lot of good people around me, and and, and a lot like Sean. I mean, um, you know, I was at two great places as a head coach, and um, two of the best. And um, you know, both of them did a lot of good things for me. Um, I think now the fact is, you know, how do you how do you process it? You process it like you played. You know what I mean? You, you come out of a situation like you played. I always have done that. Like, don't put it on anybody else. Don't look at anybody else for any answers. You have to be able to get the job done. And for me, the getting the job done part now is rebuild yourself make yourself better, study the game, do all the things that you need to do to become the best at the next opportunity. And because I've never been a guy that really has been out there trying to get jobs, move up the ladder, I just was with so many good people that working where I was working was good enough. And I think right now, getting ready, something will come my way at some point in time, but I'm not that concerned about it right now. I just want to be ready. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility 
dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Sean, Sean, why you mentioned Xavier and both you guys are right, like I said, two great places, but Xavier and Dayton, I think are incredible places in that for the most part, like look at the list of coaches Xavier's had. And I played against them when I was at Notre Dame and the late Skip Prosser was the head coach. Uh, I think he was, I think, yeah, Skip was the head coach then. And we played in Cincinnati gardens. And there was people were smoking in the arena. Like, I'll never forget that shit. Like, like we go in half. I was like, we go in at halftime and there's like a layer of smoke at the top of the arena. Like, oh my God. Right. Um, uh, but why, why from, from a real perspective, right? Why is a place like Xavier able to go through coaches and almost at, like every guy wins? They, yeah. they all win. Yeah. Right. But, that, that should, yeah. why, why does that happen? We talked a lot about uh, that on our last podcast, Doug, Arch and I, you know, kind of going back to that point. But, you know, I, I would just go very straightforward on my answer. Right. Years ago, decades ago now, Xavier made the, the decision as a university to make college basketball the front porch of the university to, to make sure they have a, you know, a Jesuit university. It's world class but to allow people to get to know Xavier through college sports, but in particular college basketball, there's no football program there. All eggs are put in that, in that basket. And there were remarkable people, you know, father Hoff, who was the, you know, the president and uh, he was a priest and he loved college basketball and uh, he was all about hiring the right people and investing and Bob Kohlhepp, uh, he is the former CEO of Cintas. That's why, you know, it's called the Cintas Center. Uh, he was very generous and him and his family and his wife donated uh, a lot of resources to allow the Cintas Center to be built. But you watched him like there, there's no fear. There was never a fear of scheduling. There's no a fear of jumping from one conference to the next conference to the Big East conference. And uh and they supported, you know, the home crowd at at Cintas at Xavier is a special place. It is, it is, it is, as um, like passionate as the fan base is at Arizona, and as much as it's that goosebump type of place when you're playing in McHale, you know, Xavier may not resonate as much with the nation or spurt, especially out west. But if you've ever played in that arena, I mean, it is a very difficult arena and it it comes to the just the incredible support. I think the other part with Xavier that's unique, Doug, look at where they're located. You know, there's oftentimes a Saturday during winter months where between Louisville, Kentucky, Cincinnati, Xavier and Dayton, you have like five sellout crowds all within an hour and a half. I mean, it's crazy. You know, Uh, the talent level uh, of that area to recruit and the passion for college sports, especially college basketball. It's it's one of the great places in the country to be. And some of the coaches you mentioned, like Skip Prosser, you think about when he left Xavier, what he did at Wake Forest. I mean, he recruited Chris Paul to wait yeah. for, right? Uh, and the teams that he had, he was a special guy. And, you know, I think Pete Gillen and Bob Stack and Skip Prosser, they deserve a lot of credit because when those guys were at Xavier, they were in Schmidt Field House and the gardens that you talked about, that was their home court. They they almost set the tone for the future coaches. You know, um, Arch, I would say, and you guys feel free, just free flow on it. Your style of playing point guard, Okay, where you were a prolific shooter with deep, deep range. 
Like that is your game would translate more now than Sean. Uh, Sean was a much better shooter scorer than I was, but the, the, the pure point guard hasn't completely gone away. Obviously TJ was great for you. And now is <clears throat> having an awesome career in, in the NBA teaching McConnell, but uh, you're talking about kind of evaluating and understanding basketball and how it's changing. Like in terms of evaluating the point guard position, do you, do you think it's changed where like now you have to value shooting above other aspects in terms of who you want to have running your team? Well, the, the, the three point line has continued to make things different. I mean, uh, not only in college, but the NBA has really changed in terms of the way the game is played. So when you're growing up right now and you're watching Steph Curry or Kyrie Irving or these guys in the NBA, you're seeing prolific shooters. You're seeing small guards score 40, 50 points in games, making the threes that they're making. And the game has become so spread. So it's trickled into college and now it's really trickling into college where shooting is is paramount. It's the most important thing going in terms of having it as a part of your team. You don't see the six foot four point guards who are going to walk it up and throw it to the left wing anymore and kind of move, move down. Maybe they use a side pick and roll. You're going to see a lot of combination guards, guys playing together that are small more than ever because shooting and using ball screens is a part of it. So I think playing the position uh, in terms of being able to score and shoot I think that has changed a little bit, but I think Sean would be the first to tell you, and Doug, you will know this, you cannot win at the highest level, national championships, conference championships, make deep runs in the tournament. If you don't at some point have somebody at the controls of your wheels, so to speak, that's not elite. You know, one of the reasons I really believe UCLA has a chance to continue to do it is the evolution of what Tiger Campbell has become. Maybe not a prolific shooter. Wait, wait, wait. Go, 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 back, go back. Go back. That was a that was a really good way of saying it, right? Because what we have always done is like you need a you need a point guard, a guard play, whatever. Okay, so the, the the at the controls of the wheel of your team or of your program. I love that. I mean, you got to you got to have somebody at some point in time as a coach that when there's four to six minutes to go, they take you out of the game. You have to have somebody who can make plays for others and make it easy on on, in big moments. And, you know, to me, uh, there's different styles of that guy now, but you still have to have the IQ, the feel, the floor game to win to win big. Yeah, I I I struggle with that, Sean. I remember I was playing. Uh, in Lexington against Duke in the second round of the tournament in 98. Okay. And we're down. Uh, I think it's tie game. It's tie game. And um, coach Sutton was not, I was, he was, I was my first year and we were now, it was not the, I got calls the offense and the sets, right. We didn't have a ton, whatever. And he's over there yelling, like he's doing this thing. I, we didn't really have like, you know, hand signals for what we were doing. And so I didn't know what the fuck he was calling. So I just called a timeout. Right? I was like, coach, what do you, what do you want? I just said spread out. Use the last timeout. Right. And we ended up, we ran a good play. Uh, it's called Cowboy, Cowboy Fade. And uh, our best player, Adrian Peterson, missed a drive and they scored and we missed another one. We lose by six. But I, I, I never forget. And I had on this pod, I had, I think it was I had Sidney Johnson, who was recently the coach at Fairfield and, of course, yeah. Prince before that. And he, he talked about how, like, the games are fun. Like, you had to prepare the team so that, it, that you got to let them play. You got to teach them everything in practice of so games. And I, I do think that's why you have to have the trust in, like, your lead guard, right, Sean? Like, where you can when, – when shit's going crazy and, as you said, you're at McHale 14-5 or wherever you're playing and the thing is nuts, you got to have somebody who just – instinctively knows what to do, when to do, and all, not only do you trust him, but those other four dudes trust him and he gets them where they need to get so that you get a quality shot, that you get a quality stop, right? That's the, that's the hardest thing in the sport. No, no question. You know, Doug, uh, Bill Self gave me a great story about Coach Sutton. He said, you know, and he was an assistant for Coach Sutton. Yeah. Uh, you know, you run the same plays and, you know, he said, and Sean, he goes like, Coach Sutton, an unreal coach. And it's like, but his plays, his sets at the time were like really basic, you know, just 
And you know, just kind of like simple. And he said one day, he goes, you know, coach, look, he goes, man, how about, you know, can we put this in or, you know, have you ever thought of this? And, and uh, coach Sutton looked at him and said, Bill, man, you, you just don't get it. Do you? He's like, well, what don't I get? You know? And he said, uh, he said, you know, I'm not running a play. So it works. I'm running a play. So they have to pass it five times. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I tell you, though, as a coach, though, there's some truth to that in that, especially back then with the shot clock, it's like yeah. one reversal, two reversal. Everybody touched it. There was a screen. And then and then, you know, like basically you're going to play some form of emotion offense back then. But uh, I thought it was just it was a point that I laughed so hard because. I have plays in my pocket that look, it's, it's good. But what it does is it runs the clock for 20 seconds right. without them knowing it. It's right. like, uh, I get what I want as the coach, you know, but Tom, so Tom Brennan is an assistant under raft at Seton hall. And, and he said, it's the first day of practice. Right. And they're out there and they're going through, they're going through uh, offense. They're going through dry offense. And then they're putting in five on five and the guys are screwing up. Raft calls, you know, stops it, makes a couple adjustments. And and, uh, and then he walks back. Oh, now run it again. And he walks back, and little Tom, young Tom Brennan stand next to him. And TB comes up to him and goes, "Raf, that was that was great. That was I wish I had a notepad. That was great." He's like, "Tommy, it's all bullshit. <laughs> like, if the shot goes in, you're a genius. They miss it, and you're a fucking idiot." <laughs> now let's go practice. Right? <laughs> He's the best man. You know, like when I played in the Big East, uh, you know, it, it's crazy. Some of my my favorite memories, and I think from the generation that I played in the Big East, anyone who played in the Big East would feel the same way. Like Bill Rafferty, like you identify with him. You feel like you and him have something in common. And uh, you know, I love that guy. I mean, he was he was at the game when Jerome Lane shattered the board. Yeah. And uh, we're forever tied to that moment, but he's the best. He really is. You know, to your earlier point about guard play, you know, I, I think some of it is when you used to work on your game, it was about pickup basketball. I mean, if you, if you weren't playing shirts and skins at a park outside, you were soft. Like you just, nobody respected you. And we would play even at Pitt every day in the summer, three o'clock, no air conditioning, Fitzgerald Fieldhouse. You wanted to be on skins because if you were shirts, your hands would be sweaty because, you know, your, your shirt would absorb all the sweat because, I mean, it's just so humid in that place. But, you know, winter stayed on. And then, you know, players from Duquesne, Armand Gilliam used to come in because he lived in Pittsburgh in the summer. But, you know, some of the football players, I remember Ironhead Hayward, like, would be on the side and it's like, I got next, you know, he had this booming voice. And you're like, oh, God, he, I can't believe he's here, man, because he can play. He was like 5'11", 280, and he could play. Yeah. But everybody played for keeps. And, you know, if you lost, it wasn't a good thing because you had to stand on the side for a while. And what developed out of that, you know, the toughness, of just knowing who to get the ball to in just a different way. But back then, man, no one worked on their game. You know, if you were the guy who worked on your shooting, you did that kind of by yourself. But it right. was always about pickup. And then and in the summer, it was about what camp are you going to? And I think part of the evolution of players like Steph Curry in this generation is, Everything's organized for them. They play in structured environments, training, training, having a trainer, having a skill instructor, like shooting, shooting, shooting. It's become the cool thing. Like I couldn't find a pickup game in Tucson, Arizona, Doug, if I, if I spent the next six days trying to find one, you know, it just doesn't exist. And it's changed so much from that. Uh, I talked to the Van Gundys about it. And sometimes I think you crave a little bit more of that shirt skins, pickup games, because what it developed is that competitive spirit. And sometimes the score doesn't matter as much to these guys, man, not all of them, yeah. but uh, you know, and it's where I mean, I, you want Kevin Durant, I, 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 he's boring to watch. He's so good. I mean, he just, he doesn't miss like he's six eleven, And it's like back then, if you were six and 11, he was like Charles Smith and Cliff Robinson, both unreal players. But they, today they would be Kevin Durant because I think how they would have grown up, they would have grown up different than maybe they did. So I have, I have a 12 year old son. And so he plays 13s and 12s. He's little, he's going to grow late. I hope he grows at all. But I, I, I kind of try, I organically do the pickup thing because you can't find pickup basketball where I just, 
he'll play like eight in a weekend, right? At, at these AAU deals, he'll play with two teams. And like, people are like, well, that's crazy. You haven't played like two teams and four games a team. Like, dude, what did you do when you were a kid? My dad take me to Miles Square Park in Fountain Valley, California. Give me $5. He'd get me into the first game, make sure that like nobody would take my game, right? Like you have to call game and there'd be five guys waiting. And I had to get the fifth game because I couldn't get in any other game. So he'd wait with me. I'd get in a game and they'd be like, all right, I'll pick you up later. You know, maybe you call collect and, and hang up, you know, to get him to pick up. And so you just play all day until he felt like coming back and picking you up. And you're right. Like you can't do it. And so there is, there is a lot of situational stuff that they don't have, right? They don't know, like, cause you know, if it's, if you're going to seven and it's six and it's game point, all right, stop messing around. Like, let's go to our best, our big guy inside. And they'll, they'll you keep calling a foul until eventually you get a bucket, right? Like that type of, those type of game and situational awareness and understanding the score. I think those things are, are missing because, like even with my son. How about, like how about it? How about if you're playing and you're on a good team with older players and you take a bad shot and you lose the game? <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? One of those deals where like your your dad, my dad, he's watching pick up games at nine o'clock at night on the courts and you're screwing around and you're not playing well. Next thing you know, it's like your ass off the court. Like you're not allowed to play anymore. You, you don't. There was a pressure to play pick up and play well. And if you ever got into situations where the games were really good with good players, older players, they taught you how to play. You yes. didn't shoot bad shots. You weren't allowed, you know, things like that. Doug, did you ever uh, see Lorenzo? You saw Lorenzo Romar play a lot, right? Yes. Yes. And Lorenzo was, uh, you know, he was with us at Arizona and, uh, you know, he's the greatest guy in the world, but he would talk a lot about that, you know, in LA growing up when he grew up, what pickup games meant, how he learned how to play, you know, who was on the court with him. And then, you know, I'm jealous of what they have at UCLA, you know, the legendary pickup games that have been going on. For you know what? I'm just, I'm, I'll tell you, honestly, they used yeah. to suck. The, the, the best game magic would come. Yeah. And he would call it was not fun after because he called every he had to win every game. He's magic. So he had to win every game. You're like, oh, geez. But it was it, it, it was real. I'll tell you. So so my my the big childhood game that I got when I was in high school, I finally got to play in Scotty Brooks, uh, uh, Johnny Rogers, Todd Thornton, the UC Irvine guys. Okay, so UC Irvine used to have dudes like they had Kevin McGee. They had guys that either played professionally or played overseas and they could never beat UNLV to make the tournament. But Scotty was like, I mean, he averaged like 24 a game in, in his senior year in college. And so even when they played professionally, they would come back and there's a gym. It's now Pacifica Christian, which is a high school and they got good players. And uh, West Newport, they play there or they play the Corona Del Mar uh, boys, boys club, or they play at Los Cabrillos, which has two full length NBA courts. And if you got in the game, like it was great. So, the story, and he told us on my, my pod, which is my dad came down one time and he was like watching and he like stopped the game to like tell me something. And Scotty got so fucking pissed that he hit like the next, like the next six shots on me and told me to get the fuck off the court and tell my dad to get the fuck out of his gym. And I was like, <laughs> but, but, but Arch, Arch, you're, you're, you're right. Yeah, Cause my dad's like trying to coach during a pickup. Game. Right. That's exactly right. Right. But yeah. Arch, you're right. Like you, if I play with those guys, Right. You you're like, oh, shit, if I miss this shot and we. Yeah, lose there, this was game and there was pressure. There was pressure. If you made a couple, you belonged. If you sucked. I mean, at the end of the day, you felt bad the rest of the day, the week. But like growing up playing, I mean, that that was that was the thing. And, uh, you know, in particular, learning how to play uh, with guys around you that kind of could get on you and things like that. I mean, th those games don't really happen anymore. Sean, you let your assistant coaches make subs. Was that was that was that always the thing? Was that the last five, ten years? Like when how, when did that start? You know, and uh, I've never done it differently. Seventeen years. Uh, I don't think they necessarily liked it, Doug, because you know the players are kind of like look. <laughs> there's nothing worse, right? When they come out of the game and they give you that look. Uh, you know, they kind of bypassed me and said, "Coach, this is good." You know, it's the assistant coach who just took me out. So. <laughs> Uh, I, I unnecessarily put a lot of heat on them, but it's my way. Uh, I never did it a different way because, you know, I wanted to always be engaged in the actual game itself. And, uh, and it wasn't like sometimes I didn't say, Hey, get him out or yeah. myself late in the game. You know, I, I would say I probably had total control, but you're right. For the most part, I did that. And uh, if you'd say why, 
you know, I think the one thing about being a coach, um, you got to be yourself, man. And, uh, you know, what works for him doesn't necessarily mean that it it's going to work for me. You have to kind of coach to your personality. You learn that at some point. And uh, that was probably a good thing that I did because. Uh, did somebody I, give you that idea? Just I, I kind of went with it from day one. Yeah. Arch, yeah. Would you ever let us, did you let your assistant coaches make subs? You know, Doug, I tried the same philosophy and um, I used to get so pissed. I used to tell the assistant I got it from here. At some point, every first half is done. Like, I got it. Don't worry about it. Because you know how it is. Anything that's going on in the game well, you feel good about. The minute you make a substitution, team goes on a run. You look at the coach, you put the guys in, and you're like, why didn't you just let them ride it out? We were going well. So we bagged that. Uh, we bagged that for a while and started just going, you know, to be honest with Phil. But you talk about the, the rotation with your staff right. a lot. Right. It's talked over kind of before the game. Uh, I'm going to tell you this to anybody that's worked with me, uh, all the assistant coaches, none of them liked the fact that I didn't uh, stop. One time, one game, <laughs> head, the current head coach, James Whitford at Ball State. We are in Arizona. It was our second year. <laughs> And uh, James used to have the first half media timeout 2016, 12, 10, however, the two minute, four minute breakdown, he would have the list of the names on the card. And when the guys figured out after a while, James was running a substitution pattern, he'd have a card. And I'll never forget Kevin Parham playing well uh, one game in McHale. And uh, maybe it made a couple threes. We were on a run and James went with the card. You know, James was going to do what the card said. And uh, the minute he made that substitution and we came to the huddle, I swear, Kevin Parham reached over top of the, about six people and tried to snatch the card out of his hand <laughs> in the middle of the game. And he was, give me the card, Whitford. You know, one of those deals. But uh, yeah, it's funny. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Okay, I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun, such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER
Um, okay. Uh, I, I'll, I'll give you mine and then I want yours because I, I, I like, I don't want the, the cliche stuff to me, my, I got a chance to coach a team, uh, in Israel, the Maccabi games, like the Jewish Olympics. Right. And, um, my favorite part of coaching is when you practice something like situational and a play, and then you execute it. And then the ball goes in and then they look at you like you're a genius, right? Cause you told them like, this is what's going to happen. This is the coverage, run the play, run it at eight. Okay. And then we're going to shoot it at two and the ball is going to go in the basket. And so I'll never forget this. It was like my, my first like game coaching kind of adult men were playing the Israeli national team in a friendly. And we're down, first we're down like 18 to nothing to start the game. And I'm thinking to myself, I have no idea what I'm fucking doing. Like I'm, you know, like talking about all these coaches, like I know what I'm doing and I'm a clown and clueless. And we, we made it competitive or whatever. Um, but we ran a play at the end of like the third quarter and it was perfectly executed a little hammer action off a weave at the timing, the personnel, everybody was in the right spot and the ball goes in the basket. And I remember getting on the bus afterwards thinking like, that's, that was, that was the best thing. Like the other stuff, the, I love the interaction with the guys. And as you pointed out, Arch, like being part of a team is amazing. And, and when you don't have it, it's an empty feeling. But to me, if I, I was truly asked my favorite thing about it, it's the, you come up with an idea, you come up with a play, you have the right personnel, you run it in practice you have the timing of it. You have the situational and then it goes in and there's a lot, a lot of buy-in because hell coach drew up something perfect at the right time. I ask you, Mr. W. Arch, your truly favorite thing about coaching. I think that the most fun thing about coaching is just for me is to be able to put the plan together early. You spend months doing it, how you're going to play, what you're going to do for certain guys. How's your defense going to look? And then as you get started through the early parts of watching it one way and then watching it grow as the season goes and then ultimately watch it over the course of the season be your way of life, your way of winning. And uh, to me, the fight every day to watch practice, see, like you said, the play system, your offense, them sharing the ball, uh, but defensively watching your your evolution of it, of execution. I think – Watching the plan go in and then working it to death as you as you grow a team and then watching you win, having a team, you know, have a great season and end of the day, watch how it was put together at the beginning that that won. And, uh, you know, I think that's a that's a that's a probably a, a general deal. But to me, uh, the execution of what you believe in and um, watching it in practice every single day, watching the practice film over and over again, spend a lot more time kind of enjoying that actually than even watching the game sometimes. How about you, Sean? Really two, two things, Doug. I think one is just watching an individual player come in, make the decision to choose Arizona, develop, and then leave and become a part of the NBA or go on like Kyle Fogg is an example of somebody who's not playing in the NBA, but you know, Kyle, where he came from, where he started and then played, developed, bought in, became a leader, went from like a young person to a grown man and is, you know, right now, one of the, the highest paid players in China and set for life. And it's just, you know, you, you know, you're, you're so proud to even describe the story, but that's definitely number one. And number two or one B for me is, I think the hardest thing in, in sports is in college basketball to win on the road. It just, especially if the road means a hostile environment, a conference game, like at UCLA, if you're at Arizona, you know, going to play in a crosstown shootout, play at Cincinnati, if you're at Xavier and yeah. leaving that game. I mean, it, you feel like, like you just were in battle together, right? Coaches, players, how it feels in the locker room the stupid grimy pizza on the bus, like, you know, riding back, you know, you could eat the whole damn thing. And sometimes I did, by the way, you know, uh, but it's just <laughs> better it's than sex. Feeling- it's better than sex. Road <laughs> wind is better than sex. I'll tell you why. Okay. Because you can't, you can't go around talking about sex with your wife or, you know, to other people, you can't go around bragging about it. But a road went and then you don't walk into a place and people talk about, hey, remember when you go went to Cincinnati in that cross down game? Nobody will. You don't walk in and people go like, hey, remember that time you, you and your wife went all that or you and that girl went all. Like, you can't. <laughs> road win is better than sex. I truly believe that. 
It's an ama- it, it's certainly an amazing feeling, man. I, I, I uh, it's okay, pick one. That, pick, even pick though one. you're tied together, pick 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 one in in your mind. One road win that just when, when you close your eyes doesn't have to be the best. Just one that's vivid. Man, there's a lot of them, uh, uh, you know, that stand up. The one for me uh, most recently is, you know, a few years ago, we had Lowry Markinen and we had a, a, a younger group. Alonzo Trier had sat out uh, and he was the first game that he was allowed to play after, I think, 16 games. It was a big game. UCLA had Lonzo uh, Ball and, and that group. They were very highly ranked. I mean, from an offensive perspective, I mean, they were as good of an offensive team as I that I have seen. And just watching Lonzo play for the Bulls now, like that, I always envisioned him leaving college and being a great NBA point guard because I'd never really saw somebody who played the style he played, yeah. who, who, who was able to play that fast and make plays at that speed. You know, everybody was playing at this breakneck speed. And uh, packed house TV, and we went in there and, and we beat them. Uh, and then just the Arizona UCLA rivalry, you know, that, those rivalry games are ones that you hold on to. I'm sure, Doug, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, you know, you, you remember yeah. that. You remember how it felt. And if you could win on the road there, that's one that sticks with you. But at Xavier, we, we used to call them road kills. Yep. And we were, we were so, you know, back then we had that chip on our shoulder constantly because we were still in the Atlantic 10 and the non-conference season, that was big to us. And if we could beat anybody from a power five conference on the road, like we would bring something back from the locker room or, you know, I remember even a guy like cut grass, like we were, we were a football team, you know, we cut the grass on the way out, but you know what? It became a sense of a source of pride. And again, unless you've done it, it's hard to explain, but if you have done it, this conversation will resonate because uh, it's what makes college sports so, so fun. And last night, Arch and I talked on our podcast about it. Like I have a soft spot for the PAC 12, Doug. I really do. Like the players that I have coached against and have had at Arizona during the 12 years, that's a long time. When I came into the pack, it was the PAC 10, not, not the PAC 12 and, and going all 12 years, the players, like just look at the Chicago bulls right now. I mean, if Lowry Markkinen was still in the Chicago Bulls, they may have a, a starting five from the Pac-12. Every game, it's almost impossible to watch an NBA game and not see somebody that played in the Pac-12. But I just never felt like we got the credit we deserved, you know. And I was so happy that everybody did so well in last year's NCAA tournament. But the thing that's different here is – you know, other than Arizona and there, I'm not UCLA's UCLA. And, and there's always those that have big crowds. Oregon's got it going. But for the most part, I look at the home attendance here in November. at some of the opening night. I mean, Oregon State a year ago was in the Elite Eight. It's the first game with fans allowed. And, you know, they drew, I think, 4,800. You know, SC, historically, I don't know if SC's ever had a better run in college basketball than what Andy Enfield has done. And they have a great team this year. Like they're really good. They're coming off of an elite eight, but I don't care who they play. Like there's two different fan bases. There's the fan base that comes to watch you. And then there's the fan base who comes to watch maybe the big game that you play. And there's just, I wish that the attendance could grow because I think it, it helps. It's tough when you're building a program like Cal is Mark Fox. Yeah, He's building it and he's working and Mark's a terrific coach. But when you're playing these 50-50 games or you're playing these non-conference games to build your program, you're playing in front of 3,500. Like, and I think that if, if you added that element to the Pac-12, I think that things would really be given the respect that, that it deserves. I don't know yeah. how you feel about it, but because I, I, the coaches, the talent, the teams, let me tell you, man, like UCLA and Oregon this year, Doug, you don't want to see them show up in your bracket in March. No, no. Listen, and I know I, you guys got to go and I want Arch's favorite road win, but it's a, it's a perfect point. Like, look, I played in front of 6,314 at Oklahoma state when that place was small. Okay. And there were plenty of those guarantee games or the early games where, you know, in a neutral site could have gone either way. Cause we're still subbing and figuring out, but you had no fucking chance of yeah. beating us down you had no chance. Right. And that's, uh, there's other things that have changed at Stanford, but Stanford used to be arguably the best environment on the West coast before you, before you got, uh, you know, and, yeah. and, and you dub heck ed. And when that, that place used to be now they, they used to have better players, right. 
but they, it kind of, they do kind of work together. Right. And that kind of goes back to the Xavier thing. It's not just the support of the school. It's also that anytime you turn on the light and you say there's a Xavier basketball game and it doesn't even have to be in Cincinnati, right. Or a Dayton game, right. All those, all those tournaments, you go, I remember you're in Puerto Rico. If Dayton or Xavier are there, fans are there. If you're in Timbuktu, their fans are there. That's the difference. That, yeah. That's, yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it's one of the reasons that Dayton is so special. I mean, you the arena for an exhibition game is going to be thirteen thousand five hundred. That's an exhibition game. And I mean, it start to move the, into the, the conference or championship game. The, the Boise first four game. OK, now, yeah, loudest, the, the loudest place you could be in. I, 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 that's, that might be the best environment. And I've been some good, like New Mexico when it's, when it's going is real and Arizona when it's going is real. The, but that game, that first four game, it was like, I was looking around going, there's no fucking chance they're losing this game. And, you know, sure enough, comes down to one play and you guys get a stop and you, that, that was, um, that was like amazing. Like I get goose. I literally have, it was a, you're right. It was a numb feeling when the crowd at the end of the game, when the buzzer finally went off in that arena, it was almost surreal that we were playing the game anyway. We got seated, but to play in UD arena in the NCAA tournament, and have it come down to the last play of the game, the place. But I've never been in a place uh, quite like that. I mean, I don't think anybody sat down for 40 minutes. No, I, I was standing up at the end of the game. I was, I was, <laughs> I was it was, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, okay. Your favorite, your favorite road dub for you guys. There's, a, it's, there's two, been at two places, but my first year as a head coach going into Dayton, it was all about, you know, trying to get better in the Atlantic 10. We, we've got to do better in the Atlantic. Our non-conference schedule, you do smart things, you know, but we have to win more games. And part of the Atlantic 10 is you have to go into Philadelphia and win. You have to, at Dayton, coming from the Midwest, you have to find a way to land in Philadelphia International Airport at the time, get off, drive into Philly, and get ready to go play the Philly schools. And at that time, Temple had won about 20, I don't know how many in a row, 30 in a row at Temple. They had just beaten Duke maybe a few nights prior to that in the garden or whatever. They, they took the subway over to the game and beat Duke in Philly. And uh, we were playing Temple at Temple on a Saturday afternoon, my first year as a head coach, and we beat them in Temple. We broke their home winning streak. And I'll never forget, like, getting a bunch of calls after the game, like, how the hell did you do that? I mean, nobody goes into Temple and wins. At that time, Dayton hadn't won in Temple in a long time. That was a good one. And then at Indiana, we went college game night at Michigan State and won yeah. in, in Breslin. And uh, if you can ever play against Tom Izzo's teams and win by one point at any point in time, uh, it's something you remember. But the team we had was struggling at the time. And we were going in, felt like we were going in for the kill. I mean, they were they were ready. And uh, our guys competed and we ended up winning an overtime in Breslin on game day. And uh, those guys, uh, I remember the locker room after the game was a ha- one of the best feelings in the world was to win in Breslin. And Doug, I'll, hey, I'll, leave, you on, I'll leave you on this, this note here. Um, I know we're wrapping up, but you know, it's part of the rise of Gonzaga. You know, one of the things that's helped them is they have an amazing home court, right? And, and it, it rivals the best of the best and simultaneous between that there are some others that have really good teams and, and pros on their teams. But if you go watch them play, you don't get that that energy, that passion, that student section. And, and you're right. It all fits together because, trust me, there's nobody growing up working to be a college basketball player that dreams of playing in front of a half-packed house. <laughs> it just doesn't exist. Like, you know, when you're in your backyard and back in the day, like I shoveled the snow off and you're shooting – I wasn't envisioning going, I'm, let me go there. So there's 6,000. No, I want to go play in front of 14,500. I think, I, th- I think that's why guys, you know, foggy is, uh, is uh, I think guys that play at these programs like that, that's why I think some of them struggle overseas, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. or struggle in the struggle in the G league. Right. Yeah. Because like all of a sudden you walk out, you're like, there's like, like I'm so used to a packed house. Yeah. Uh, all right. The, the, the podcast is called next play. You guys are awesome. I can't wait to hear the next one. Thank you so much for your time. I'd be honored if we could do it again. But in the meantime, have a great day. And thank you so much for joining yeah. me. Doug, call me anytime. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I'm going to do it. You're going to be mad. Enjoy, enjoy, that, uh, enjoy that Villanova UCLA game. That's going to be a hell of a game. Yeah, yeah. it'll be a good one. I'll report back. See I'll you guys. take the Bruins. See you. All right. Got it. 
Like it was that right. And, and full disclosure, we kind of had to cut at the end because I don't know, one of the two had an appointment and they had to go. We'll do it again sometime. In the meantime, like I, all these guys that come on, they all have their own pod. Like there's, there's plenty of food at the table, right? You want to download that one? Great. I hope you just download mine because uh, this is, this is the most fun that I have in what I do always is, is in um, talking to people and getting to know their story and getting to know what they were like, where they grew up playing, how they kind of matriculated, if you will, through the system. And those are two guys that have been crazy, crazy successful. And I'm sure next play is they're going to have a coaching job very, very soon. So uh, I don't know. I, I truly enjoyed it. And I hope you did too. Reminder, the Doug Gottlieb show is daily three to six Eastern 12, three Pacific on iHeartRadio, radio, I, I, I radio app, Fox sports radio, Fox And of course um, you can also download it in podcast form. We talk all sports, not just basketball. And I would hope that you would download, subscribe and rate this one. Don't be afraid to write a review. Um, that was, that, that was awesome. Uh, I am going to the UCLA Villanova game. We will do a podcast after it. I may include my son Hayes on it, get his analysis of that game. I, th- I think that's, that should be a thing, right? Like where you get a post-game pod. Maybe I should have done it. Um, I will, a, little, a, a couple of college basketball thoughts. I got the chance to see Colorado State and Nico Medved's going to be on with us next week. They're picked to win the Mountain West. And man, what I saw from... John Tanjay was, he had a career high 30 points, but in researching, get ready for the game. He grew up in Omaha. His dad's from Cameroon. His mom, um, uh, his mom is a, I think a pastor in Omaha and he played soccer when he was a freshman in high school. He was on the B team, the B team. And now, you know, he fast forward and he had limited scholarship offers, ends up going to Colorado state gets in the best shape of his life. And now only with a year under his belt, he just has exploded. I I don't know if that's what his game will look like, but in talking with, you know, Sean and with Archie and you talk about bringing in boys and and having them come out as men, um, that's a perfect example. And we'll talk with Nico about it next week. The Kyle Fogg story, we'll get foggy on sometime. He's an amazing guy. Kyle Fogg, Here's how much of a baller he is, right? Remember, makes seven figures playing overseas. I was playing in a men's league with a bunch of guys that are assistants now in the NBA, one that's a GM now uh, in, the, in the G League. Um, and it was like, it was a joke team. Like we were so good. And I was far and away the worst player. And it was all guys that had played high level, played overseas, couple, you know, that played in the NBA and we're playing like this random men's league in Irvine, California. And um, I'll, I'll just, I'll, the dead giveaway is Miles Simon kind of put together this team and, and Miles is not easy to play with because that dude wants to literally, he wants to win layup lines, ping pong. He wants to win anything. He's, he's one of the most competitive human beings I've ever met. Like I'm super competitive. He's at a, at a different level of it. So um, he's like, foggy's coming today. I was like, what? Now, remember, he he won with overseas elite in TBT, and that was later on the summer. But he literally got off the plane from China. And that afternoon, he comes and we play on a Sunday afternoon at Irvine Valley College, going sideways in a men's league, going sideways. And he dropped 43. And, and look, we were playing against good players, playing against good college guys and some overseas guys, whatever. And he dropped 43. And we're like, uh, when when'd you get in? He was like, I got in at like seven this morning from China. I'm, I'm exhausted. And then like, all right, let's go and let's go ahead and get something to eat and, uh, and go do something. It was like, honestly, it was amazing. That guy is the perfect example of somebody who's gotten better and better and better and better. And, you know, he's going to play basketball until he doesn't want to play basketball. And then if you don't want to do anything, you don't have to do anything, probably want to coach you know, or be in the business, really bright guy. And um, that it's the epitome of, the, of that growth that I think so many in basketball truly, truly love, truly love. Well, anyway, I, I, I appreciate you listening. That was a lot of fun. Those guys are awesome. And I think sometimes, you know, your perception of people 
changes when you hear about them, about the relationship with the brother, about what they're doing. You know, being fired humbles any human being. I've lost jobs before as well. Like it, it you should have time to reflect. And uh, I can't wait to hear more of their pods. Hopefully we'll get them back on during the season. I want to get them on individually, probe through their stories. And if you have suggestions, and I've gotten so many. My, my inbox is flooded. I know so many basketball coaches. I had one who's listening who's like, man, I go on the road recruiting. I'm in the Southeast. I'm in the middle of nowhere. I throw in the all ball pod and it's good stuff. So um, I hope you like it. And if you have a suggestion, hit me on text. If you got my number, hit me on DM and we'll, we'll put them on. We have a good li list of people and we're going to keep pumping these things out. And we appreciate you downloading and listening. And uh, thank you so much. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.